Hey there, welcome to the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline. I am the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives to see what makes them tick and see how they got where they are today. So sit back, relax. I look forward to sharing their journey with you. Okay. All right, guys, welcome to another episode here where we are interviewing artists about process, about what they do, about how they do it, and getting some tips and tricks along the way. So today I have with me Kamal Gunnell. Is that how I say your last name? Or? It's Gunnell, but Gunnel. Uh, it's really hard to say in other languages. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Not a worry. All right, Kamal Gunnell. Gunnell, I'll get it. We'll get it by the end of the show. I'll practice off to the side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, my friend. I was really impressed with your Gumroad, your art station, not Gumroad, but your art station and all the stuff that you're out there really giving people. So I really wanted to just take a second to talk about what you do and, and all of that good stuff and talk a little bit about you know the projects that you're on and hopefully pick some of your brain about how to deal with Unreal and things of that nature. So the way we'll do this, just so everybody knows, is I'm going to start with some questions, get to know Kamal, because this is actually our first uh-huh. meeting. And then I think he's going to introduce us and do one of his projects that he's working on right now. Then we're going to get in and see if we can't kind of pick his brain a little bit, get some questions, talk about how this works, Unreal works, and how you can succeed the most. And then from there, answer your guys' questions. If you got questions, ask them along the way. I'm looking at them right now, both in the guild and in GoToMeeting, so I can see those and I'll put those through. And uh, we'll go from there. So I'm going to switch the screen over to just Kamal in the guild. And then we're ready to go. So Kamal, why don't we start with some of your background? Where'd you learn? What'd you do to educate yourself? Okay, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. this stream. I hope this stream goes well and we can share something really important. I hope it goes well for everyone. Uh, This is my first webinar, so I'm really excited about it. And let's start with who am I, where I learned, and what am I doing right now? Awesome. My name is Kemal and I'm 29. I'm working for film and game industry for almost 10 years as 2D and 3D artist. Mm -hmm. And my last creation was the video game that's called Tartarus, released for Windows and Linux, which is currently available on Steam and Humble Store. And right now I'm working for a studio in the film industry as lighting artist. And also I am working on my next video game project as an indie developer in my free time. And sometimes trying to help the other developers from other countries for free if they requested help in specific point for example lighting mostly so that's me quickly and you are looking to the look development map in unreal engine 4 that i already set up for this special presentation awesome great and i'm really excited about the lighting angle because lighting is one of the things that you know it's we're running into some problems in the boot camp especially is ira in here yeah, you know what, mm-hmm. Susan, you should email Ira. Make sure she knows about this. So I'm really excited about that because, you know, with fog and volumetric lighting and, and getting the yeah. you know, particles, like that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's, you know, 
it can be quite a beast. So you've been working in the industry about 10 years. What, yeah. what got you into the industry? What got you excited about it? Okay. Uh, it started with the, uh, when I see the first video game in a really old place, which is in our city. Yeah. Uh, it was an arcade machine. And all of the people in that room was screaming and hitting some buttons that I don't know. And in that time, I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And I imagined one day maybe I can do something like that. But in the years that followed that time, the idea that I can be an artist idea blew away. Because, you know, I, I was a child in that time. It wasn't a serious idea in that moment. But uh, I grew up with video games. So I started to learn how to draw. I was drawing on my own, but it was not an academic drawings, you know. So one day, my auntie called me and said, you are drawing, right? And I said, yes. She said, bring them for I can see. In that time, I was in, I think, 16 or 17. And then she said, you should go to university and study graphic design. And I said, what is that? I had no idea about it. And I take the academic drawing lessons for one year. And mm -hmm. then I go to the university. I won the university. I studied the graphic departments in the university. By, but I quit because of the living situations in the country. Because I always wanted to make video games. I always wanted to make films. Because I'm a huge sci-fi fan. And I like cinema very much. It's my addiction. I can say like that. And I told myself, I need to start work on something for I can get the job industry in the industry. So I learned the 3D Studio Max. And one day, some small studio, really small studio called me. We have a job. Can you do this? It was my first job in the industry. What was it you were doing? It's a really simple model. It was a B model that is really low polygon, no insect anatomy, uh -huh. nothing. But I did that. It was my first job and I fell in love with the 3D and the creating something for somebody else. Yeah. You know, that feeling get me into the industry. Then here I am now. That's great. Ten years later. Yeah. All right, um, let's do this. Can you throw up your art station? I want to make sure people know how to find you, especially while we're having this conversation. I want them to make sure okay. that they're reviewing it and taking a look at some of the content that you've already kind of developed. And then I want to take two seconds. I want to talk about some of the content you've been developing, some of the response that you've got, and then I think we'll jump into Unreal. Okay, so here is my art station. All right, so this is a lot of training that you've developed. This is really, really great. I love this. This is one of the things I love to see more than any, almost anything else. I, almost more than I love seeing awesome artwork. I love to see this much sharing, you know, because it's core to who I am. But what made you start to develop so much training? It's started with the free time after I finished developing our first video game. Yeah. As an indie developer with with the team, I mean. So, you know, when the production is done, all that stress gone, and you fall in a really blank space because all that stress 
is keeping you think about something. You constantly solving problems, and you always thinking about it. And when it's gone, it's like like drugs or quitting something that you really like. So I started to create something. Yeah. About lighting, it was in really simple topics, so people can understand how to put lights into scene, how to navigate into scenes, or really simple things like that. So slowly, I adjust the tutorials with the linear curve, I can say, to advanced points. But even in that point, they are really simple. Everybody can understand that. So the point is to create that tutorials. I really like to share my experiences that I learned from the game development and the film industry because in the film industry I was worked on uh, for almost I think three years the rendering optimization on the rendering optimization because when you're doing the software rendering the calculation time is very important mm -hmm. because if you are doing a for example 3D animation movie let's say one frame one minute you have to do it in one minute you are not allowed to go two minutes for one frame so you have to optimize everything in the scene shadows light types how many samples our render engine creates how many shading samples something like that it's almost infinite possibilities with that render settings but you have to make them under one minute for frame so i combine that two different department experiences in these tutorials so there is so many tricks coming from the film industry mm. there is so many tricks coming from the game development and i learned from there so it's really helpful i think for creating optimized scene for games yep. also using the lights efficiently in unreal engine 4 because the rendering capabilities of unreal engine 4 is really incredible when i see it first time i think i instantly told the software rendering is gonna be nothing in this 10 years right and now we so it started this. like that um how about comparison to unity do you have much experience with unity yes i have uh, experiences with unity with my friend we work with unity i think one and a half year yeah but I think it's not an artistic tool, but that is my opinion, of okay. course. I'm fascinated by that because um, when I worked at ZBrush, this was a topic that was very, like it was almost a daily topic. For example, some of the features at ZBrush, we could have taken them in the direction of DAZ, like having yeah. a base mesh, for example. We resisted a base mesh in ZBrush for a long time because Daz had base meshes. And a base mesh, mm -hmm. if it looks too realistic, it takes it doesn't feel like an artist program anymore because now everything's done for them. So tell yeah. me what you mean by that, if, if you don't mind unpacking that for a second. I mean that if I'm struggling to use the software, it's not for me. Yeah. For example, I can say this easily. Everybody in the industry using 3D Studio Max or Maya or ZBrush. They are industry standard tools, right? But I'm using Lightwave 3D for modeling, for baking textures and other stuff. So it's not common, but I feel myself comfortable in that software. Yeah. So it's not an artistic tool. I meant that whenever I feel myself comfortable, that is my software. For game engines, Unreal Engine for me, 
it's a comfortable place. Got it. That's great. All right. So what kind of response have you got from doing these tutorials? Has it increased your following? Has it gotten you jobs? Has it made connections for you? Mm-hmm. One of the first important connection is you. And the other connection and job request came from the Cloud Imperium games. Whoa, uh, that's for a the, sweet deal. Yeah, it's for the Star Citizen yeah. uh, project. But they were looking environment artists. But when I asked the special question about dealing with the job, because I'm a lighting artist, I'm not an environment artist. I want to be a lighting artist if I gonna work on something yeah. uh, with Cloud Imperium games. So they didn't come back, of course. They not every time coming back. It's not a bad thing. It's the business. So the other thing is from the community, people love it. It is incredible because I can easily understand I'm creating something and it's working. On the art station, followers almost multiplied by 10 mm-hmm. and viewers multiplied by, I think, 20 or something like that because yeah. I had almost, let's say, 25,000 views in one month. That's like awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. And, and level 80, that must have been a really good boost to you as well because level 80 is yes. just a yeah. beautiful sign. Yeah. I love what those guys do. Yeah, the Kirill Tokarev, thank you very much. Him too. He mentioned me in level 80. Yeah. So the views and followers and likes pumped up to the top. That's great. That is great. All right. So let's talk about your thing is lighting. And Mm -hmm. so today what I'd love is, well, let's start this. What are you prepared to show us today? You had a presentation and then you're able to answer some questions, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me start with a couple of questions. How does somebody start setting up lights inside of Unreal to focus on a cinematic? Or You know what? Before we ask this question, how important is lighting versus the modeling and all of the environment stuff in your experience? You know, when people are looking mm-hmm. at your work, what kind of response are you getting? Uh, the response is mostly about, this is awesome. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you prepare a scene with the specific lighting situations? Of course, I'm trying to create every one of them. Yeah. But as you know, if there is no content in your hands, you can't do that specific scene. You can't create it properly because light materials and the geometry that you create in any software has to be good enough for final look. Uh-huh. Because all that three stuff, light, geometry, and material are the brothers of hell one of them one of them fails your scene gonna be down yeah in quality i mean so how to start lighting in unreal engine is a important question i think because before that you have to understand how light works in real time of course but you don't have to study optics and physics deeply you have to understand how it reacts how it creates shadows how to control it because light is a very strong thing to control if you can't have the power to control it you uh, you can't do anything 
you have to think with light and shadows at the same time. Because, for example, if you have a wall for 10 meters, and let's put there five lights, and you can't get depth, right? Because there is no enough contrast areas on the surface. But if you creating contrast with putting columns on that, you slowly start to catch depth feeling. So in short, you have to analyze your scene before doing lighting. It's always start with analyzing the scene for me. Okay. So how do you analyze this scene? What's your thinking process? Okay. Let's explain with the scene that we are looking right now. Okay. And this is an interior shot. Uh, yeah. There's a computer screen, so there's some uh, illumination in there. There's a heater, and then there's a window coming mm -hmm. in from above. Is there any yeah. skylights? or? Let me explain one yeah. by one so everybody can understand easily. So let's say this is our scene. Let's say this is not a 3D scene. A concept artist drew it, and Lee told us, we want this, how it works, how I start. So I firstly look at the scene what kind of light emitters we have in the scene. Okay. I'm saying emitters because this CRT monitor can be an emitter. This heater can be an emitter when this resistance heated up. And there is a little device can be an emitter if there is a screen on it. So if we talk about proper or special lighting stuff, we have fluorescent lights. Uh, this is our main light source in the in the scene for this big area, and we have one spotlight, one point light. I mean, in this area, so there is no skylight, and in this scene, everything is using just static lighting, even this character. So, analyzing the scene is starting with selecting the possible light emitters, like this heater. Mm -hmm. So you can see there is no point light or something, but this glowing resistance illuminating this area, how it works. And let's show that too. In Unreal Engine, if you select any static mesh, on the lighting tab, you can see use emissive for static lighting option. If you enable this, and if you have a second channel for your static mesh, you just need to set up something simple like this. We have color, we have brightness parameter, and we have flicker on and on, on and off. I'm, I'm going to explain this too. And this all setup goes to emissive color to imitate that glowing and illumination effect. So this is a kind of optimization technique, but it's really simple and really useful. And you guys can see with this point light, only with this point light, I almost lit up all the scene without doing anything more. Let's walk uh, through that a little bit slower real quick. So you're, the first thing we started talking about was the heater, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so within Unreal, the first thing you do is you find the emissions, the light emissions. First one we start talking about is the heater. So for the heater down at the bottom, you're then going mm-hmm. to select it over there in the yes. world outliner. Yes. And then within the details tab, which is usually below that, yeah. Then you're going to go down into which section was it? The lighting section, I think you Light, mentioned. Lighting section, yes. Yeah. And then you turn it into an emissive object. Right. And how yes. are how are you controlling what is emitting? Whether some whether the whole thing's emitting or is the whole thing emitting? Uh, Front, it's... back, sides, stuff like that. Okay. So here is our heater. Yes. And. As you can see, we have two elements under it. No, the first one yeah. is this gray material, which is not emitting anything because under this material, we don't have any emissive value. Okay. But the other one for this, we have emissive lighting option, emissive material option, I mean. How to set up it? It's coming from your 3D software. There's two different IDs you identify when you import it into the the Unreal Engine, it automatically creates these elements, you know? And then if you know which element is which one, just set up your material and you can get this effect maybe in five minutes maximum. Okay, got it. So in Maya or Max, You've got your 3D object. Let's say it is a flat plane and a cylinder, or let's say it's a box and like a thin cylinder. Yes. The thin cylinder represents the light. The box is the whole Mm -hmm. thing itself. Mm -hmm. So you assign one material to the box. You assign another material to the thin cylinder. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And and then when you export them, do you export as OBJ or FBX or? FBX file. Great. Okay. So... I remember from uh, OBJ files, they have material groups. So they remember like this bunch of vertices belong to this material. So I imagine FBX is similar. And when you import that into Unreal, Unreal keeps a list of all of the material groups. So if you had five materials assigned, then you'd have literally five elements listed under materials. Yeah. Okay, and then your only thing is remembering which material group is connected to the cylinder and turning emissive on in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Simple like that. Simple like that. That's, <laughs> that's like nuclear physics is easy once you understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. just, just know the, what are you doing? Just don't forget what, what, what have you done? Yeah. A quick question from Edison. He's asking, does Unreal compute light in centimeters or in meters? Good question. Unreal works with centimeters. One Unreal unit equals to one centimeter. And if you are using, for example, point light, it works in centimeters. But when you're using this kind of emission, for example, let's open this one. You can see there is brightness value, which is coming from our master material that we set it up in here. Uh-huh. This is the material instance. So we can we don't have to go back and forward and saving and applying to see the changes in the material. There is two. What is this two? 
it's multiplying your value and you can adjust your emission by that value. If it goes higher, this light can go further. If it's low, it can stop here or something like that. If you put zero, nothing happens. So there is there is something hard how to understand how far this light can go when you're using the material instance for emissive lighting, static emissive lighting. Got it. But for lights, uh, you can use centimeters and of course there is, let me see, attenuation radius. This is the radius of the sphere in centimeters. Okay. And when you're doing with emissive, do you have a Kelvin temperature that you use or are you just using a normal color slider? Hmm. For emissive lighting, let's explain like this. If I'm using light tube, for example, tungsten light color uh -huh. for the fluorescent light, but it's I wanted warm colors. Okay. I can put Kelvin values if I'm using this kind of light under it. But if I'm using the emissive lighting, I have to find that color with color picker. Okay. Because yeah. in color picker, there is no Kelvin value parameter that you can type into. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's normal. I understand that. All right, cool. Thanks for unpacking that. So we talked about the heater. Now, what's next on you? So I think the next thing you started talking about was you started talking about a one-point light, like a light bulb from above, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This one, right? Oh, yeah. That was the, yes. Okay. The fluorescent mm -hmm. tubes. Yeah. As you can see, it's empty. There is nothing under it. But we have a point light here which is matching with the dimensions of this fluorescent light case. Okay. Why I'm doing this? Because it's creating much more soft shadows, these values, when you bake the light. And fluorescent lights can't create, doesn't create sharp, really sharp shadows in real life. They are really soft lights because they are cylindrical shapes mm -hmm. and covering much more area when we compare it with small LED light. So you have to understand that this, which type that you are trying to imitate. Got it. And, and in Maya, you create things like area lights. Yes. So that those have a larger volume. But what you're doing here in Unreal, you're creating yeah. a point light. And then I think you said you're giving it an attenuation radius. Yes. Great. Attenuation radius defines how far this light can go. Okay, got it. Source radius is the how soft this light will be. And it's defined by this uh, gizmo. And when it goes larger, it creates softer uh, okay. shadows. 
Got it. Like that. Okay. So it's a trifectum of things. So attenuation radius is going to be like, hey, the light goes, you know, five feet in this direction. And yeah. within that five feet, the source radius starts to decide, okay, so it's going to be a harsher or a softer light. The yeah. the smaller the source radius, because the you know, the smaller the light source, then the harder the shadows are. Yes, of course. Got it. All right, let's stop here. I went through quite a... Uh, I didn't go through this. <laughs> Kamal went through this. We went through some of this stuff. Any questions from the people who are watching this right now? Or are you guys all comfortable with this level of it? I wanted to make sure that we just established like some basic translation from maybe Maya or Max into Unreal. And I just want to make sure that you're on the same page with me in terms of language. If you got no questions, just write no. If you got questions, write yes, and then write your questions. And... Edison's asking about light linking. Light so, linking. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming that's something we should probably just try to wrap into. We don't have to address it right now, but I'll make a note. With the light linking is is main or she's main include excluding for the for example this light I want it only touch this box and doesn't touch the rest of the scene. Right. Is it like that? Object-specific yeah. light. I, yes, there is. Let me explain that. It's a really important thing when you do cinematic lighting with so many characters. And it's really easy. It's really easy to set up. For example, we want to use this light. When you type into search bar channel, you can see Channel zero, one, two, three. But let's do it with another light from scratch. I add the point light into our scene. So let's say lower values for to see what is going on. For example, this is a movable light and it's using channel one. So, looks like it's gone, but it's not. It's only using the channel one, but rest of the scene is using channel zero. If I select this character and turn on the channel one, this light illuminating only this object, that's it. Sweet. Perfect. Nothing more. That's really great. All right. That's crazy simple. Okay. All right. So we got that. We got our emissive, we got our emissive, we got that point light, which becomes kind of like an area light for Maya or has a radius for softness. And it appears that most of this scene is lit from that one fluorescent point light. Yeah. Yeah. So Unreal is ray casting. Yes, Unreal is ray casting. And uh, as far as I know. Yeah, and do you turn on global illumination? Do you turn on any settings? Is there is there anything you have to do to set that up, or is this just this is just you put the light in and this is yeah, the behavior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a couple of settings you have to care about when you doing, for example, interior and exterior lighting or mixed. Little bit from both. The first thing is. Of course, starting with light again and 
the settings that you have to care about is indirect lighting intensity. So it comes one, uh, it comes with the value one, that is the default value of the indirect lighting intensity. Okay. And in Unreal Engine, if you stop your cursor on any kind of uh, text uh, under the components, you can get the information about what is it doing. And you can see it gets the indirect lighting contribution from this light, a value of zero, it disables the GI, which is global illumination. And default is one, but it's not, when it's one, it's not contributing so much into global illumination mm -hmm. calculation. But when you go higher, you can really see the light is bouncing on your, into your scene. So the first thing is indirect lighting intensity. The second thing is you have to have light mass importance volume for the proper calculation when you're doing the light bake. And, and where do you get the, that? The light mass importance volume. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? It's under volumes tab. Yep. And here is the light mass importance volume, or you can sort it, sort yes. it from here. Good. And the other thing is under the world settings, when you open the Unreal Engine, yeah. uh, if there is no world settings, you just need to go to Windows tab and open the world settings as a new panel. Under it, you can see all the light mass settings that I'm using for the scene. Great. And that's all. There is almost nothing. Almost everything is default values. Only static lighting level scale is important. When you go to lower values, your light bake times will be longer because think it like you have voxels to you have cubes 10 to 10 to 10 but you're dividing it to smaller pieces to calculate accurate lighting. So it defines that. And the number of indirect lighting bounces is defines how many times your photons on the scene will bounce on into light baking calculation. That's all. Got With it. this four or five values, you can do anything uh, with this simple setup. That's great. And this isn't optimization and making it go faster or slower. This is just basically setting up and trying to make it look, you know, good. Yeah. You have to keep that in mind. Unreal Engine is a game engine. So everything has to be really fast. There are so many things happening when you're playing the game. Animations, particles, texture reading, texture writing, callback them, and occlusion cooling. There is so many things. There is visibility, collisions, everything. It's like a hell. So you have to keep them efficient. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you can use every light movable, but you can't complain after you finish the everything. I have low FPS 
yeah. because you're doing everything in real time without the baking or pre-calculated uh, anything. Now, do you, in terms of process, do you think about the efficiency of light and optimization first, or do you prioritize making something just look beautiful and then focus on optimization? Because I imagine there's a lot of variables just in terms of making it look good. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that is its own entity. For me, it starts with beauty, I guess. I can say it. Why I'm doing scene, I can explain it. Maybe cool. like that. As you can see, there is so many objects, but there is no textures. It's a good technique, I think. I'm using this very much, as much as I can. I'm using this one. Because in this scene, I can calculate how many lights I need for, for example, five meters and how many lights I need to this look. So I can calculate, I can find every settings by trial and error and just note them and use them in the actual level without not complaining so much because I did all the research and development in the scene and there is only little retouch things left when I'm doing the actual level because you can see there is no weird shadows almost but it's not a complete scene it can be better of course I can see the mesh errors I can see the light seam errors i can see the bouncing light errors i can see every errors almost in this uh, look development scene after then i fix them i know the solution then i can start to create the actual level without big problems so it works like that for me and the optimization starts with this scene it goes every time together, but you have to separate them in that specific point when you face it. Got it. Great. Okay. All right. And so we have uh, emissives. We've got that point light with some volume. And then uh, I noticed outside of this environment that you've got something else going on in terms of the light. Yeah, there is only atmospheric fog for to support global illumination okay. and one point light to imitate this, I can say cloudy weather, it's a bluish color on the wall and it's creating the contrast between the orange color and the blue color. Mm. Warm and cool. It's completing the, yeah, yeah, it's nice. completing the levels color balance ah and if i saw that correctly the attenuation or basically the uh, sphere of that influence was like half of the room yeah. so half of the room yes. had some of the cool light the other half wasn't going to get any of it yeah great i love that very painterly uh courtney's got a question she's asking do you usually set up your scene with movable lights and at what point do you feel stationary and static lights are better Mm. Let's start with explaining what is static, stationary, or movable. 
Perfect. If there is anyone has no idea what the hell is this states. Static light is the baked light. With that, you're telling the engine objects under this light and the, the light source never go anywhere. They all, they will forever stay like this. And when you bake light, when you do your lighting calculation, engine calculates it, they static forever. But when you do the light source stationary, it's working like static for the static object, but looking like movable light for the movable object. So you have same static, stationary, and movable settings under objects too. So let's explain it like this. For example, we have a guy here playing with the computer. And we have a light source, like stationary light. Let's say like this. You want this monitor and this and this and this and this static. They are not going anywhere, right? Right. But you want to see the mouse movement when you when the player moves own mouse and you have to you want to see the dynamic shadows under it so you have to set your mouse to movable and you have to set your lights to stationary that's all and when you bake the light the engine calculates the static objects as static lighting but the movable ones doesn't calculate it Okay. It so, works like that. So movable or static is an object property, not a light yeah. property. Yes, same properties, but you have to understand a little bit uh, how they work. Yeah. You need trial and error. And the movable light is the most performance killer light in the Unreal Engine because there is no light bake option when you're using this. The engine doesn't do anything about light baking. And... It creates everything, every shadows in real time, in every tick, I mean milliseconds. So if you have 1,000 movable lights, you can't have stable FPS in your game. Got it. Makes sense. All right. And then um, there's another question I think might be relevant right now at this point. Uh, Courtney, tell me if that answered your question, actually. Let me... Make sure you've got that addressed. Uh, Isaac's asking, and maybe what we could do towards the end here, Isaac, I wanted to do this both for Isaac and for Ira. Thanks for jumping in, Ira. I wanted to pop on and I wanted to show Kamal your guys' projects in Artist Awake and get his thoughts on that. Because I know, Ira, you were having those problems a, a while ago, which is why we reached out to Kamal. And then Isaac, this is a very relevant discussion for your interior scene too, so I want to be able to show him. So I think... If you don't mind, Isaac, I think I'll keep your question until we actually look at your model. Okay, great. All right. So keep the lights that you've got right there. Are, you've got what? Two point lights, two movable lights, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. And um, all right. So what's after this? What's after this? Well, how, how how to process more? Yeah, like are we doing more to this lighting or do you think we've explained the lighting setup pretty well? Yeah, uh, I have one more scene if you guys okay, want great. to see for the 
character lighting. Yes. So we've looked at the interior. We've got a sense of emissive. We've got a sense of point light. We've got some great questions. Thanks, Courtney and guys, for, for pulling those out. And then we also looked at the warm, cool. Don't forget that. Because I know Kamal is very versed in the technical and the artistic. So people that are versed in that, they, you know, they go back and forth quite easily. But keep in mind, warm, cool, right? Like he's using a painter trick here. You can see it on the left. It's cool. On the right, it's warm. And that's uh, super, super powerful. Something you're going gonna to all want to put in your environments. So we've looked oh, at that. Thank you. <laughs> so we, we've looked at this and uh, explained this. Let's take a look at the next scene. And then I think Kamal is going to get us kind of a sneak peek at this project he's working on. And then... It, 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 was the, it was the... It's what we're looking the at? First scene. Yeah. Good. Okay, great. <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't frame it. So... So that so before we go to the character, then Kamal, if you don't mind, tell me what this game is. What's the project? Because I'd like to make sure we okay. put a nice tidy okay. bow on that. One. This is the first reveal about the game. Okay, it's based on true story, which is a really sad story happened in our country. It's about a serial killer, duct tape killer. The code name is duct tape killer, and it's based on real events, and you are playing as a detective to find the guy. But it's not easy when you can't find any any kind of evidence, even no fingerprints, no nothing, no DNA, and there is no eyewitness to see what is going on. And it's a text-based game, most likely a visual novel. And you are controlling the character that you show in the scene in that camera angle. It's top-down game. So I can say like that for now. Cool. Great. And that was the, um, the scene that we were looking at. That was the, one of the scenes in the game. Yeah, it's a test scene for I can see the, all the errors before starting the actual production. This has to be a lot of work. So how yeah. do you think about that as an independent artist, you know, with the amount of time that you have on your hands because you got a full-time job? Yeah. Um, how does that work? Uh, it's really hard, as you can imagine. And it's really hard to explain how I feel when I don't do anything about game. I feel bad because I want to do that, but I have a full-time job yeah. in another studio. And I'm doing same things for other projects sometimes that I want to do. So you have to deal with that too. But you have to keep that in mind. You have to leave to do something. And you have to work for something to create something. And it's really hard sometimes. But with that 10 years, I've got rock patient, I guess. It doesn't uh, killing me anymore, I can say. That's great. You know, and, and <laughs> somebody who, you know, I mean, like running a business and I like to be in, as involved in, in it because, you know, obviously I'm teaching I like, and I like that. That's what I want. You know, yeah. I, and then I love, love to sculpt and I love to paint. You know, I totally, I can totally relate. And um, what was really good there was to hear how patience and perseverance yeah. is really one of the big words out of your mouth right there. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain it clearly, but I like to do something 
maybe it can be an inspiration for anybody else that I don't know. That is one of the biggest reasons I'm creating video games because it's a way that I can express myself. Mm. That's why I'm doing that. Makes a couple more questions on this, and then we'll get to the character that we're looking at right now in character lighting. How do you chunk this? Do you work scene by scene? Are you planning the whole thing and you know doing everything at once, or are you just trying to do like a small little scenario? How are you planning the creation of this while you have all these other things going on? Okay, the first thing is the idea, of yeah. course. Yeah. What What are you going to create? And it starts with the little scripting and the information about characters in the game, if there is any character, the information about the scene, if there is a actual scene, it can be realistic or surrealistic. Yeah. It can be like Dali painting. It can be like, I don't know, maybe it looks like Van Gogh or something else that nobody seen before. And it starts with that, the visual style, the definition of visual style is very important because in the middle of the production, you can't say, let's change it to retro futuristic style right. from high tech. It, you have to shift delete your project and start from scratch. So it's start with the visual definition and the little information about everything. Then one by one, I start to take notes, how many scenes that we have how many objects we have on that scenes, which ones we can use for other scenes, which one will be visible for one time, uh, something like that. I make a list like that, which yeah. is 10 feet long, I think. One by one, I model every one of them and create materials for them and opening UVs for them because I am the only 3D artist in our team. Because two guys we have. So that's all. And then you slowly start to make a game. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So bust your butt. You know, just <laughs> work your ass off. All right, my friend. Uh, let's take a look at um, this character lighting. Yeah. And then we'll switch over and we'll take a look at uh, some of your guys' work. And Addison, I'll get your question answered in that context as well. Okay. The character that you are seeing right now is provided me from the character artist Manuel Lopez. I found him on the art station and requested this character for creating a character lighting tutorial. And I also talked with the Mr. Bao Wu, which is a character artist at Ninja Theory right now. Before this uh, character, he provided me the Assassin's Creed character, which is Michael Fassbender model. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing creation, the incredible creation that I seen uh, for a long time. So here is our scene, which is coming from Mr. Manuel Lopez. Thank you very much for providing this. And Manuel has this actually on uh, Gumroad. It's gumroad.com yes. forward slash M-A-N-U-M, Manum. So you guys can head over there and download that right now. It's actually for free mm -hmm. for now. Cool. And let's talk about the lighting on the scene. As you can remember, I said on the previous scene, 
the lighting, geometry, and the materials are brothers of hell. So let's make an example about it. If I do like this, or if I do like this, you can see the light is burning the surface. It can work in some situations if you are creating, for example, like seeing like a dream sequence or something like that. Of course, it depends on your scene and on your project. But when you're doing a really simple presentation for your character, you don't need that. You have to get avoid from that. So here we have point lights. We have three point lights. It's coming from the film industry. So this is the place where I can combine my game development experience and practical lighting experiences from the film industry. This is the simple setup, which is called three-point lighting. Usually, in the film industry, they use two spotlights with the 45 angle, which is one of them coming from this part of the face, which is coming this part of the face, and the other one is always behind the character and the, in front of the camera to separate our character or object from the background to create more depth feeling and taking out the character to audience and take the attention. So what is happening now is we have one key light. Key light means this is your main light source eliminating the character when you compare with other lights. And the second one is the fill light. And fill light means you are breaking the hard shadowing on your character's face and balancing with warm and cold. And the rim light, which is creating the this highlight effect on the edges of our character's face and on the shoulder, also on this part, this part, if there is background, you can clearly see our character's silhouette. And the other one, this is not necessary, but I put it here to create much more rim light effect on this part. So this is a really simple setup that you can try on your project if you let's open it and let's show you guys if you have the epic launcher just find the epics photorealistic character scene and download it and try this setup it will work it works every time and does the material come with that yeah, of course. There is a material right. on that scene. It's simple as that. Only one thing you have to, you may 
need to adjust, mm-hmm. which is let's delete every one of them. So as you can see, we have one point light, which is a movable light. And our character's uh, right side is black, but we can see the eye. It's not correct. You have to get this area black, maybe. For controlling it, you have shadow bias option under light properties. And if you take it down a little bit, now you can see the eye. The shadow bias defining the distance between shadow and object, how far the shadow will be created when the shadow ray tracing working. Got it. That's all. All right. And so if that was higher, what was the problem again? Just so we're crystal clear. If this is left at 0.5. Now you can see it. You can see the eye. And now if you are one. So if you dial that down, then the shadow is going to be much more responsive. So Accurate. If somebody wants light in the shadow, is this something that they would dial up so that it, they get a little bit of extra light there? Yeah, some kind of like some, something like that. But no, it's not cheat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that provoked a response. <laughs> you have to adjust your light for your needs. needs. I can say. Okay, got it. Yeah. So make sure that you're, you know, you're not relying on these little settings and things like that, but go in and if you want light in that shadow, get in, put a light there in the shadow. Um, and that's something we're going to talk about when we look at um, Isaac's work. All right. Okay. Guys, any questions about this? Edison's saying it's like a shadow fall off. Yeah, something like that. It's, let's say, let's explain on this uh, simple cube. Let's say we have a light here and you expect the shadows will start from this point and this point and creates like this. Yeah. If you have a default shadow bias, which is 0.5, it's not starting from this point. It's starting from here. Mm. And with lowering that, you take this blank space out. Everybody yeah. understand it? Yeah, I think that's a great. I, I can, oh, no, I, I can explain it uh, on a mesh if you guys want. Uh, Edison saying um, it's distance from the object, basically. Yes, 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 distance from the object. Yeah, good. All right, good. All right. Um, okay, so it looks like all the questions are pretty comfortable there. We've seen quite a bit today, and we're going over a little bit of time. So, Kamal, thank you so much. Now, if you don't mind, I'd love to get your eyes on a couple of students' work and mm-hmm. talk about some of the problems that they've encountered so I can kind of bring them on with their questions. Is that acceptable? Yeah, of course. How can I see them? I will uh, switch over so that I am the presenter and uh, I will share my screen. So that should instantly just switch the whole deal around and you'll be looking at my screen. All right, then. All right. I and can then, see it. Great. And then uh, I was going to head over. Let's head over to Ira. Ira, you got your mic on? Okay. And I'll need to know which image we're we're wanting Kamal to look at as well. 
And uh, while we're doing that, I'll set up things for Isaac. Artist. Hello. Hey there. Um, the image is in the photo folder that Sean creates last week. Okay. So it's, that is within this equation. Uh, here we go. Yeah. All right. And so, Ira, which one that should one, I be looking yeah. at? This one, yeah. All right, why don't we start first off, before I have Ira speak or anything like that, Kamal, why don't you, if you don't mind, just tell me like one thing that you think is working in this model or in this image in terms of the lighting and, and whatnot, something that's working, and then we'll say something that's not working. I like to make sure that we start to develop a language of like what success really looks like. So from your perspective, what's one thing that's really working and communicates that she understands lighting? Okay. So in short, you want me to say goods or bads, right? Yeah, in short. Start with the good. Okay. Um, but as it specifically relates to lighting, because I like to find the triggers. Okay. Like if there's one thing that a, a recruiter's looking at, they're looking, they're high, trying to hire a lighter, I'd like to know the five things that recruiter wants to see in lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the color selection of the sunlight. And I really like the Godray effects. Uh, the volumetric effect, which is creating from window to ground, it's clearly visible. But at the same time, it's not too much to drown the scene for, we can say, the details because of the fog. It's just in place. I really like that. And the other thing is the light on the ceiling. And there is bright places, really bright places, and there is shadows and I can feel the light is bouncing and dancing between that special parts. And there is no so many harsh shadows. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good, actually. All right. And what's, the, what's one thing that is triggering you and making you feel like, you know, specifically what I'm wanting to know is like, is there one thing in here that communicates that Ira is an amateur at any level? If there's one thing that really somebody looks at and they're like, oh, yeah, she's got a lot to learn. Is there anything out that stands out like yeah. that? Yeah, of course there is. Minus <laughs> points. <laughs> of course uh, something's started, wrong. <laughs> I, I started with the good ones. <laughs> Let's talk about the bad things because you have to hear bad things when you're doing something. If you are not making any mistake, you are not doing anything. Let's talk about the bad things in the scene. There is no dark areas on the, not enough dark areas on the ceiling. It's like unlit area. Maybe it's because of too much bounce lights, or maybe you just put and in the scene not showing us the other additional lights, which is eliminating the scene, or you just have shadows for walls but there is no cast shadow option for the ceiling so what i want to say in short you lost the depth feeling on the ceiling because yeah. there is mosaic pattern on the ceiling but there is no shadow when the pattern intersecting between the plate mm. and i think there is a paint at the center of the ceiling but we can't see it we can't notice it or not catching any 
detail when the sunlight bounces on that. Also, you need to separate your scene with background and foreground. Maybe you should work on the light angle. That's all. Can you be more specified with the foreground and background thing? I'm not yeah. sure I get that point. Okay. Just think it like this. In which point you want to get attention first? On the gray statue, on the right place that mannequin standing on it, or the far background, do you want the attention on that single window, or you want to get attention on the middle area? You have to think about it too. So I want to say the eye, when the eye sees a picture, it works like a scanner. It goes mm. left to right, up to down, and the opposite. And always meet the point of interest when you're seeing something. So you have to think that too when you're doing lighting. You have to tell a story with lighting because if you, for, for me, for example, when I'm doing lighting, I'm trying to tell a story. I have to support the story with the light and atmosphere, with the mood to push the feeling to the player or film lover, I can say. The point of interest is coming from the separation uh, background and foreground area relation. Um, so you would do different lighting when it comes to, let's say, I want more attention around the statue. And then the lighting would be focused there. And then it would be more ambiguous as it goes down to the hallway. I mean, the lighting. Am I correct? Yes and no at the same time. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I want to say this in short. I want to uh, make it really understandable for everyone easily. Okay. If you are, if you are doing an architectural visualization, you can do everything sharper, brighter, and visible from any point. But if you are doing a scene which has to tell a story, you have to work with lights together to support your story. For example, we talked about before coming to your scene and warm and cold, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think about warm and cold. You have to think about bright and dark. You have to think about light and shadow at the same time. With these rules, with these steps, you can control everything. Just try not eliminating everything at the same time. Just try to eliminate only one part, only maybe little area, maybe only turn on a little spotlight on that statue. And let's see what happens when there is one single light. Is your scene working or not? You will understand what I want to say when you try to do. Mm. I have a technique question. Mm -hmm. So if you see on the right side of the wall, when I bake my lighting, I always get the like one. Light seams. Yeah. And I already checked my light mapping and uh -huh. they, they look green. They, they look normal. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know why that caused this issue. You don't know how to get rid of it, right? 
No. <laughs> Kamal's on and he's on it. He knows the inside joke here. So <laughs> Let, let's just jump. Let's just jump to the, let's just jump to the punchline. <laughs> uh, it's because of the calculation of light make. Let me explain a little bit, uh, which I learned from the answer up from the epic stuff, guys. Great. <laughs> when you're doing the calculation, every single thread on your CPU uh, doing the separate light calculation job at the same time, but the threads are not know which one is doing which one and which one is doing the which one in which state. So when the engine compiles them together, there is miscalculations, but it's a correct calculation, but it's miscalculation when they come together. And it's great that light seems, which is called overmodularity. So if you have a straight wall without any columns, and if you are doing, for example, you need to have 100 meter long wall and you are doing it 10 by 10 by 10 by 10 with 10 static meshes, you will get that light seams, whatever you do. You can use the normal maps or the other maps to cover them. It really helps. But I suggest try to put on the light seams and other columns. You can cover them. Uh. And at the same time, with that little thing, with that one static mesh, you can create more depth billing when you do your actual lighting because columns will create shadows too. Um, it also happens on my floor. <laughs> so, it's the same. Yeah, I mean, on the wall, I can put um, columns, but on but the floor, what? there is like. You can put. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, it's it's the same thing what I'm saying that because yeah. just try to try not to do everything in one meter. For example, for floors, try to use 15 meters or 25 meters long static meshes, big parts. Okay, I see. That's all. Okay. Great. And then okay. try to cover them maybe with decals or something else. Mm-hmm. It's just a trial and error thing at the okay. same time. I see. Thank you so much. And, and, and thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. And so in, in uh, your experience with these long hallways, in some cases, they get rid of the modularity and maybe just have static mesh, you know, that's stretching yeah. super long because modularity is obviously yeah. causing a problem. Yeah. Stretching is kind of bad idea mm-hmm. because when you're doing the light map <laughs> in your specific 3D software, yeah. for example, you create a wall one meter to one meter, yeah. And you create a light map for one meter to one meter, but you're stretching the wall to one to 10. And what about that pixels when you make the calculations? Because light map for light bags, and you use that area to collect the pixels, enough pixels to get sharper shadows. But when you're stretching it, you lose that quality because you multiply your area uh, with fake 10. Mm. So so this is a tough, like this is just a tough situation that there's no easy answer per se. Yeah. Yes, of course. 
Okay, great. Ira, any more questions? Uh, no, that's all I have. Okay. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I thank you. All right, so let's take a look at Isaacs if you have another moment. And uh, Isaac, could you have your mic on? And uh, Isaac, were you in the same? Where's my cursor? You're a little, little quiet. Your audio is a little quiet. Yeah, it's just a little, a uh, little low. So I know where it is though. So I'll, I will head over there. Uh, ah, Daniel's on a new project. Okay, Jan's finishing. Okay, here we go. So which image should I show, Isaac? This one? Okay. All right, so let's do the same thing. Tell me one thing that's working, one thing that's not working. Okay. The volumetric light is working really nice because it's really creating the mood that I like, usually cold colors, and the volumetric lights works every time, whatever you do. And it's not working because there is nothing under it to create a composition. Using the top-notch technology or last version of software doesn't make your job good. You have to be good to do something good. There is nothing under that light. So at the first second, you take my attention to that point, but not showing me anything. And I lose my attention in the second tick when I look into this picture. But you have nice creation of foreground depth and background separation because you keep the background really darker. And I really look around the foreground. There is boxes on the left which is creating a triangular composition. And the other thing, the small boxes between the background and the foreground, and it's creating the attention again. And the background, you have one more volumetric light, I think, which is whiter, not blue, as far as I can see. And it's creating one more composition there, but there is nothing interesting under it. Maybe there should be something else to take what is going on attention. but. The most of the scene works really fine as lighting, I can say. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Isaac, questions? Yes. Uh, how can I prevent my scene from going like pitch black on some of the uh, models? Because, yes, I want to have contrast, but I do not want the materials to go completely dark. Kamal, were you able to hear that? I can hear you, but it's coming really low volume but i understand like this you want to have contrast and you like contrast but you don't want to create pitch black shadows or pitch black areas there is like there is no light like there is a black hole right mm -hmm. yes you mean how to eliminate them mm -hmm. exactly yes okay do you remember i talked about the lighting uh, indirect intensity yes on the previous scene mm -hmm. uh, with that and the world settings under the light mask tab, you have bounce light option. With that two values, you can create a bounce light because you're creating the global illumination when you play with them. If you didn't use the zero or one because one is the default one, zero is the disabling the global illumination. If you, for example, just try to put 10 onto your this volumetric, first volumetric 
light and make your lighting. And let's see what happens when you put there 10 mm -hmm. for lighting intensity under the light tab. And the, for example, four in the word settings for the indirect bounce light mm -hmm. option. And let's make it and let's see what happens. Cool. Thank you. Does that make sense, Isaac? Very welcome. Yes, yes, it makes sense. I have to try different lights. Uh, first with the volumetric, then the global illumination, but only have those two lights, and then uh, tweak the global illumination in the red lighting. Okay, great. All right, so what time is it there? It's a little late. All right, so if you don't mind, try those out as quickly as you can, and then that way I can connect again with Kamal if you got any more questions on that. How much more of your time do I have, Kamal? Because I know we're over on both our times. And um, while you're answering that, is there anybody who's got any other work that they need eyes on? I know not everybody's at lighting right now, even though that's like that's where it all comes together. All right, looks like we're uh, in good shape. Do you want me to suggest something? Yeah, by all means. I always want that. For lighting, I think, right? Yep. yep. If you want to be a lighting artist, it's it's a pain because it needs so much trial and error. It needs so many documentation because not everyone trying to do and trying to share something that they learn from the project, you have to do with your own or you have to understand with the research on the, by working on the other actual real projects. So the first step is being patient because if you don't have patience, you will lose that battle in the first hour because it's really complicated profession to study because it works with physics. It's not joke. And it works with the materials. It's worked with the textures, with all the departments. You have to understand them too in basic steps. You don't have to be professional on every think it's not it's not possible if you are master on everything you you're just lying to yourself and just look at our artists jobs as much as you can for example every day for one minute even one minute it's really important please look other artists jobs other creations from our artists because they can inspire you you can catch a little trick, very little trick, which is completely solve your problem that you faced for two weeks. So it's really important. And the last thing is, please show your works to anyone which is not your friend, because your friends will not be objective when they giving you feedback, because in that, in some point, they are your friends. And I think that's all. That's awesome. All right, let me throw up exactly where you guys can find Kamal. So I think you have, yeah, you have contact information in the about. You got your Instagram in there and LinkedIn. So yeah. you guys can head over to artstation forward slash Kamal, G-U-N-E-L. All right, all the, awesome. all the tutorials... <laughs> <laughs> all the tutorials are there and uh, and all the great information for you guys to get a hold of them. 
And um, you know the drill. Head over to the guild and give me one thing that you learned about this. Make sure that you lock in some knowledge today. Kamal was incredibly generous. And I can tell you, for, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time. And Kamal kind of talked a little bit about it, but people don't share that kind of information very easily, you know, because it's kind of yeah. hard fought. And, yeah. you know, and and knowing those little tiny things are enough to... It can really change your career, you know, and that's what yeah. a lighting career is all about. Knowing like these little, like that button and this thing and this math, you know, if you know it, yeah. you're in great shape. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Um, bless you for, uh, for, for diving in and, and for sharing your knowledge because it's what this community needs. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much for having me here for sharing my experiences with the uh, other artists because it's a really nice thing to do because if I can impress or inspire anyone else in any country in any time uh, I feel I will be like immortal uh, uh, I understand that feeling who's in, who's inspired here I mean I, I'm inspired who, who else is inspired here Ira's inspired yeah Absolutely. Take a look at the Three, chat. two, four, five, six. <laughs> there you go, my friend. There's your immortality. All righty. Again, man, thank you so much. And uh, guys, head over to the guild. Tell me the one thing that you learned out of this. And, um, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Kamal. Welcome, man. Anytime. All right. So I want to thank you so much for being here and taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to ask a couple of things from you. Number one, make sure you leave a comment or you rate this on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever that you're listening to this. It really makes a big difference in helping us get the word out and to help people understand what we do. The other thing is I want to make sure that you know where to find us. Head over to www.vertexschool.com to learn about all the programs that we have for creatives. Our job at Vertex School is to teach you new skills in creative tech and help you get a job that matters to you. We lock in on the specific skills and triggers that people are looking for in the industry and what you need to do to prove that you can do this job. We're taking applications right now, so make sure that you head over to www.vertexschool.com and apply today. All right, again, thank you so much for being here. Have an amazing day.